All right, welcome to Free Range American. We're going to watch Aaron put in a big old fatty. <laughs> big old dip. Big old fatty. <laughs> oh, crap. No, that's the way we roll, man. Um, well, thanks for coming out. Aaron Schneider from Kafaru. I appreciate you coming out. We've been friends for a long time. We first had you on the Launch Code podcast. You and Gritty were on like way back. sixteen. Was that 16? Yeah, I think so. End of 16 or beginning of 17. No, it might have been in the beginning of 16 because it was right when I first started shooting recurve that long ago. Yeah. It was. You know, the funny thing is uh, when we were walking around, I was thinking about it. Um, That was right after I bought this building. So this was like, uh, we're we're here in Salt Lake. I just bought the building uh, back in 2016. You came in and uh, my cousin Dirk Durham had come in because everybody was in town for... Western Hunt. Yeah, yep. that's yep. right. Yeah. And I had just... I hadn't just started shooting a recurve. I had I had been shooting one for quite a while. I, I can't really say that I uh, exercise very uh, a high degree of proficiency with it. <laughs> lots, lots, <laughs> as, of, lots of As passion. he just pointed lots out. As passion. he just pointed out. Uh, there's, there's one, it's loft is what they there's, there's loft in there there's loft yeah do you know I, what the acronym is uh-uh. I, you might punch me it's uh, <laughs> do it lack of fucking talent sorry <laughs> <laughs> everybody's got a lot of loft yeah, it takes a lot of work that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fantastic that's about right yeah I, I like that yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna use that I first started <laughs> shooting this recurve I was gonna tell you why and how I actually got into archery a lot of guys are you know they, they've heard this story, but I was working in my roaster, my other building, and I was in the middle of spreadsheet hell. <laughs> and one of my buddies was like, you have to get into archery. You'll love it. Need like an outlet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went down to uh, Wild, I think it's Wild Arrow. Is that what it's called? What's that archery shop here in town? I think there's, it's... There's a couple. I think Wild Arrow is one. Yeah. yeah. It like, yeah. It's out in Bountiful. And we were looking at bows and compound bows just freaked me out because they had too much shit going on. I was like, I, I can't put another crazy hobby in my pocket, especially when I'm trying to run this business. Yeah. So I figured a stick and a string with another stick. I was like, that looks pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be able to figure this out. That'll so be easy. <laughs> I stuffed a bunch of burlap coffee bags from old, you know, bag, mm-hmm. 60 kilo bags of coffee, green coffee. I'd stuffed a bunch of those in there. And that was my target. And I yeah. just shoot it from 10, 10 yards away. Had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. So that's why I'm all fucked up basically. Yeah. Well, and that, that happens, you know, and, and, uh, I got started and people heard this story. It'll be extremely short, but I shot compound. I shot tournaments. In fact, when, yeah. when Dudley was, uh, younger, 2001 or two, we figured this out later he and I were at the same tournaments. Uh, they used to have Cabela's tournaments. And anyway, so um, shot compound forever. And, and I didn't do the, you know, life got in the way. I didn't, I shot tournaments locally and some nationally, not a lot. Well, I did a podcast on ethical shooting distances, speeds, like God forbid, uh, the voice of reason step in. I just broke it down mathematically. If my right. arrow's doing 300 feet out of the compound, uh, how long does it take to get to a target at 70 yards compared to a arrow doing 170 right. 
the traditional archery community did not like that. And I got a lot of hate mail. And really? at that point, I'd never shot a traditional bow. This was in 2016. Right. Or 15. What's the difference between, uh, sorry to just pause no. you, but what's the difference between, uh, we'll call it the speed of an arrow, leaving, a, we'll call it a 60 pound traditional bow and a compound bow. Like what's, what's that? One, one, 170 and 280. So wow. 110 okay. feet, roughly. Right? right. Depends on the weight of the arrow, you know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But hundred plus feet per second difference. Right. Um, and so I just broke it down. So I got a ton of hate mail and I am, um, extremely driven, uh, by, by challenges. Right. And, and, uh, I just was like, fuck it. I sold all my compounds. I mean, I sold, you want to talk serious? about Damn my best shit. friend? Everybody loved me that day. Like I had guys coming over cause I had eight or nine compounds site. I mean, bow presses and right. I'm like, okay, the way that I am, I'm going full bore, right? I'm not, I sold everything. And I went down to Tom Clum at Rocky Mountain Specialty right. here. I was like, dude, I'm doing this. And he was excited. And I'm like, I'm going in and I'm not, and, and no one really ever, not no one, but at the level I took it on at is is not normal. Because I did, I sold every weapon I had for a bow. He took me under his wing and off I off I went. And it did end up being quite a bit harder than I thought it would be. I was like, <laughs> I got to get hand-eye coordination. This shit's going to be easy. And it was not easy, but I, 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 had him helping me basically. And, you know, now I I actually picked up the compound in the middle of this last five years and it just wasn't the same. I mean, I can't, you know, at the risk of getting, you know, bashed, I'm real, real accurate past a hundred. Right. And so getting to a hundred, 120, 80 yards to an animal, you know, sometimes it's a pain in the butt, but you know, for me now, a far shot's, 30. And right. so I've had to... L- oh, shit. Seriously? That's a far shot with your with your trad bow. Well, I've shot five or six animals over 40. I hit a javelina at 57. I right. killed it, pinwheeled it, but I mean, I killed it. Um, Most of the shots, my goal is sub 20. Right. Um, well, one, you just posted a video of a goat. I mean, how close was that goat? 12 yards. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I, sh- I shot a wolverine, which was crazy. That at like, video is... The crazy. One. So I'm telling you, everybody, right now, <laughs> the story you you have to you have to go watch that video. Is it still on your Instagram? I just actually I put it up today as a new one with really? some of the other photos. Well, here's the the funniest part of that. My my wife is is awesome. She's but she's a six foot Italian and she's pretty high strung. The night before, I'm shooting off the roof of my house working on cliff shots, just like everybody. I go down and I pull the arrow. I don't know what I did. I found out later. I pulled my rib into my rhomboid. Dropped me like a sniper hit me. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm limping back. My wife comes down. I'm like, I can't draw. My goat hunt starts tomorrow. I'm like, I can't draw my bow. She's like, hey, just take some ibuprofen. See what happens in the morning. 4 so your I'm wife like, is basically a army medic, which is yeah. drink water, <laughs> Motrin. take Motrin. Maybe when they <laughs> call home, so home. Call your mommy. <laughs> drink the <laughs> canteen, here's some Motrin. <laughs> and, and so the Walk next, it off, you idiot. <laughs> Walk oh. it off, homie. <laughs> well, it gets even worse where she could have been a drill instructor. So <laughs> the next morning I wake up, I try to draw the bow. I can get to half draw. She comes downstairs and she's like, what's up? Can you draw it? And I'm like, I can't. I said, I think I'm going to have to shoot it with a gun. And she literally grabs my shoulder and she's like, you need to find a fucking way. And I'm like, like, okay, that was like drinking coffee. I'm like, what? She's like, you've always found a way. Why is this any different? She's like, stab it, get close. You will regret it the rest of your life if you shoot this with a gun. She's like, you can do it. I've seen you. I shot a deer at four feet. She's like, you can do it. 
All right, well, we're not bringing the gun. So we, we <laughs> I went and I'm like, well, I can't have my wife make in front of me, right? So we meet everybody there and uh, Frank, I'm like, dude, I got to get close. And, you know, he already has to get, he already has to get close, right? And so he's like, okay, how close? And I'm like, feet? <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's like feet. how many feet? And he was like, I was like, dude, we got to get sub 10 yards. I can't draw my bow back all the way. And so... He's like, you know, Frank's as tough as they come. Like, uh, if he would have joined the military, if you meet him, he's one of those guys that ends up in Delta. He just right. feels no pain. He's a, he's a machine. So we get valley floor. We're looking at these goats. And I'm like, Frank, I, I, I'm looking at him. I'm like, I think I, can, I think I can get close to that one. And he literally looks at me. He goes, indeed, sir. That's all he said. Starts packing his shit. So I pack mine and do a five-point contingency plan in case things go sideways. And next thing you know, I'm eight yards above the goat and my wife and, and Luke from gladiators is filming it from below. Right. Right. 800 yards away. And I'm like, I, I, I took my jacket off before I made the final approach. Mm, we couldn't get the goat to wake up. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, Frank, I'm, he's 28, 30 yards. To my, I'm like, I'm getting cold, dude. Get it up. Get it up. <laughs> and uh, he's throwing rocks, popping decoys. Finally, we get it to move and it shifted to my right. And I went to half draw and I knew my arrow would tear right stiff. Right. I did some redneck ingenuity. I knew I was going to impact left. I aimed to the right side of its body, went straight through it, took its heart out, and killed it. And literally, like, I, you know, Frank was like, hey, that, that worked out good, huh? And I'm like, yeah, dude. Like, I didn't think this was, I thought literally I'm going to have to spear a goat, you know? And so that's one of the many crazy things that's happened since I picked up a trad bow. But that video I just posted on my page, so. I love <clears throat> this story and I'll listen to a combination of things. Like uh, I listen to your show, obviously, and Rogan, not obviously, but I think that there was a, everybody probably listened to that. Um, but I listened to Kafaro cast and your whole transition from the compound bow into traditional and then working on stocking and the challenges that you've kind of faced along the way it's been really, really interesting to watch from afar, right? Yeah. So I think it's one of the, the things that a lot of guys like me, we really do. Like we admire the fact that you're going out there trying to get really fucking close to animals and the amount of discipline that it takes because, man, I, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm relatively new to hunting. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I don't consider myself a great hunter whatsoever. I just try that's what I do, you know? As Frank would say, you're a good trier. I'm a good trier. <laughs> well, I shot that elk. Yeah. I was just going to tell you, was I shot that elk at like 94 yards. And not that I'm like, tr not that I'm trying to give myself a trophy for that, but I took a little bit of heat for that because... Well, I, I bet. That's that's how I ended up shooting a stick. Was <laughs> heat. heat. <laughs> yeah, I took some heat for that, but I didn't understand the controversy either. So... I shoot out here three, four days a week out to past 100 typically. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the guys out here are shooting a lot. No, I shoot a lot. Like I, a lot. My compound... Like we're, we're proficient. Well, and that was the thing that I, I've heard you talk about, which I want to talk about was, yeah. you know, the uh, ethics in hunting and really my, my take on it, and you can tell me I'm wrong. I have no problem with that. You can tell me I'm wrong on my podcast actually. But my take on that is 
if I'm shooting an eight inch group at a hundred consistently and I'm hunting an elk and I had the perfect conditions, by the way, Mm -hmm. like I, there's no way I could have taken that shot in any other circumstances because I just could not get closer on these elk. I'd been hunting them for a week, been out there for a week. I kept bumping them. They had, and I had some big bulls. I had a 400 plus that I was trying to work in. I got 30 yards in on him and his fucking cows were everywhere. It took me two hours to get quite literally, I, I, I had low crawled about a quarter of a mile at that point through this brush. And the brush was so thick. There was just no way I was going to get a shot, but I knew I was going to bump these things one, one way or another because he was bedded down and I was in a shitty position. It was the last bit of daylight. I was like, well, I'm either going to have to low crawl out of here. or I'm going to have to try to get a shot off. <clears throat> so as soon as I got into a position where I could shoot, it was, I was blown. I was out. And that was my story all fucking week. <laughs> it was all week. Yeah. And I was, I was, I was miserable, man. Like I was right on top of elk. It seemed like all week and I had some really good big bulls and I, I got bumped out these fucking muleys on, on another bull that I had within, he was sub 60 and he was, I don't know, what do you call the head bull in the herd? Or, uh, well, there's a lead cow and a herd bull. Right. So, yep. so he was a herd bull. He was a big, he was probably 350 plus and there was probably 80 elk in the, in the entire herd. Yeah. Not good. That's a 160 eyeballs. Hunt, yeah. <laughs> it was horrible. And I had been moving on these fuckers all day. They're all praying. Raghorns had, rag had been coming and trying to blow me out of this pocket like all freaking afternoon. And I mean, I was like, I was four feet away from a raghorn. He was sitting there looking over me and the wind was just right. So he was just sitting there and I'm like, get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> these stupid muleys had come in on the other side of the draw and they started snorting or whatever that blowing uh, that, that blowing <laughs> yeah it blew the entire freaking blew my entire op you know it was like and they ran over this ridge and I chased them up and around this fucking ridge and came up on the other side and like right right at right at dark I had like a 90 yard shot and I was like I better not take it it's 90 yards I better not take it so that was my this is my story and I finally found uh, a smaller herd it was flat as a board yeah. and I had a creek on one side and I'd low crawled through this creek and came up and around and he was standing broadside to me. It's a good thing. Flat as a board. And I got up on my knees and the grass was just about, you know, 16 inches tall. So I could crawl in through the it's grass. It's a good thing you're sneaky sized. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd low crawled like 250 yards once then backed back out, went de- back down into the creek, came back around. And oh, by the way, Johnny Morris from Bass Pro was videoing the whole thing because he's like, this thing is, this is funny as shit. I'm watching this yeah, guy's crazy person. commando. Yeah. But it was perfect. It was perfect condition. So I, and I was like, I can take the shot. Well, the other thing is, and I'd explain this to somebody, I was like, I've shot hundreds of thousands, if not millions of iterations in high stressful scenarios. Yeah. So shooting under stress is not something new to me whatsoever. I would never recommend that scenario for people, but I can, I, I felt a hundred percent confident I could make that shot. The, the issue that I don't see any issue Please. with what you did. Um, the issue I found that I come at it from a very unique perspective because I've 
killed several animals over 100 yards. Right. Um, killed my caribou at like 127. Holy shit. The reason why um, I shoot a stick is I just, I like it better. Right. I, I didn't do it for a moral reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started out to prove a point and then I became addicted to it. Right. So just enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoy yeah. it and, and I enjoy getting closer. I, I mean, we've had, I get bashed as much as you do because I not necessarily defend, but people say oh, it looks bad for anti hunters which I know a lot of anti-hunters, mm-hmm. they have no clue what's... Do you, do, before you hunt, do you know what's le- ethical yeah. and what's not? They don't know right? the difference between <laughs> 20 yards and how far it is. They, they're like, it looks bad to the non-hunting community. I'm like, the non-hunting community doesn't know what's ethical and what's not. Now, wounding or whatever, a little bit different story. Sure. But, you know, for, for me, um, and this has been hugely debated on many podcasts, is I'm going to take Levi Morgan, for example. Right. And you guys are good friends with Dudley. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Guys that can shoot extremely well, would I want um, some stick bow guy shooting at me at 20 and Levi shooting me at 100? Probably going to pick the stick bow guy shooting at me at 20. Some of them. Right. Now, there's other compound guys that are like, no, no, shoot at me at 100. But Levi's going to hit me at 100. Right. Then there's the, well, they could move. Okay, well, if he's six times more accurate at 100 than a guy is at 30 with a recurve. And, and this goes several different directions. Right. He can shoot, right? And he yeah. shot a lot. And, and, and in a case of like, well, you're talking about millions of rounds, that's not just kill houses and in training. That's yeah. also real life, you know, combat and everything Shooting else. Like, back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is way worse than, an, I mean, an animal is, is, can smell you and, and is faster, but they don't, they don't shoot back. So <laughs> they, the worst you got to worry about is falling off a cliff or something, right? Yeah. So I, I kind of look at it this in, in the sense of if you are, um, capable of shooting that distance in practice and you find you're capable of shooting it in the field, you don't choke. It's going to be hard for me to argue that you shouldn't take shots. I'm right. like, yeah, hey, you're good. When the same with a stick bow, I've gotten some, from some flack on different distances. And, you know, for me at, at this point, I just don't give a shit. And right. I just try to just make myself the best hunter I can be and help others not to, you know, it's true. Like rather than sitting back in the cheap seats, talking shit, I just go help guys, right? Right. Coach or whatever, give them info on stalking or whatever else. Because the whole long distance debate thing is, to be honest, I'm over it. I I don't have time for that shit, man. It's 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 a it's a life suck. Like it's it's a tired subject. I I didn't engage too much in it because I I I put out my piece, which was, you know. An elk can't shoot an RPG at me, so yeah. I'm I'm totally fine. <laughs> These things don't intimidate me. Like yeah. I'm not out in the field and not get your head cut I'm off not, on. Whatever. I'm not stressed <laughs> out by hearing a bugle eight feet away from me, going, "Oh my god, this is a dinosaur." I'm not that naive. And uh, in both both elk that I took last year, you know, one round with a six five and one arrow, and my elk at ninety four. And my elk at 97 with a rifle. So 94 with a bow, 97 with a rifle. My elk died faster at 94 yeah, with my arrow than it did at 97 with my 6.5, which was one inch above the heart on both, on both, literally. I my 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 aiming optic is just one inch high for some reason because both of those animals is one inch it's above high. the heart. But I watched that elk make one lap. And then two laps and hit the deck in a minute and a half. Yeah. And he was, he was expired. Mm -hmm. So for me, I I look at it and from a guy that's, that's been on a few hunting trips and has seen 
things die on multiple other uh, scenarios in my life. Like that's a pretty good death for that elk, to be honest yeah. with you. It's yeah. fast. It was clean. And the only thing I'm looking at as far as, you know, the ethics and hunting conversation is, did you kill it fast? And was, was it a clean kill? Yeah. And I, I've seen you, guys. I think a lot of those guys that are talking about ranges yeah, and ethical ranges end up being the guy that's like a dog shit and razor blades well, and at I've that heard, range because they, they, you know, yeah. they don't, they don't understand. Like when you, when you called me the day that you shot that elk, I didn't even ask because I know how you perform in a clutch yeah. type of high stress scenario, but it's the same with, you know, with, with talking to you about anything I've shot, it's like, oh, just tell me the story. It's not like, oh, were you freaking like, because <laughs> it's freaking not a out? thing. Yeah. But, like, but <laughs> right? yeah. I've worked through those iterations of I'm going to freak out yeah. way back. Yeah. You know, like I'm not worried about it. It's, it's, and you know, with the amount of practice you're putting in and the amount of practice you're putting in, like, I know the technique's there. I just have to execute it. Well, I, I, I would say like, I'm not a advocate of, traditional archery and I'm not an advocate of long range shooting. I'm an advocate of doing what makes you fucking happy. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do, there's enough shit going on in the world right now. <laughs> right. Like, just do what, you know, if you want to hunt in pink underwear with a spear, I'm probably not gonna be able to help you with that, but <laughs> do that if that's your right. deal. And there's guys that hunt with a traditional bow that have never killed anything or takes 10 years, but yeah. they're happy. But they love it. Just keep doing it. Right. And there's guys that their, 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 their goal is to be able to shoot effectively to 120 yards with a compound. I'm here to help you do what makes you happy. When I say that, I mean, I'm going to coach you as much as I can or tuning or whatever I can do because I don't look at it like the anti-hunting community looks at that because they don't know. And I know that for a fact. I, I live in fucking Colorado, right? right? We're full of anti-hunters. <laughs> right. And I pose that question to a lot of, because I meet them all at photography, especially I do right. in photo shoots. Talk about hunting. I'm like, hey, what do you guys think is... Yeah, I'm speaking Greek. They're like, I don't know what is normal, right? What What's a normal distance? And right. most of them think 100 yards is a normal distance, mm -hmm. not because of anything they've watched on TV. It's a football field. That's just what they think is normal, right? And, you know, some of them, like if you listen to Fred Bear, anything inside of 60 with a stick bow, and, and they were winging some arrows, right? Yeah. Like they were shooting far. So again, I've, to the point now, I'm just, I'm kind of over it. And right. it's like, you know, if you want to bash you or me or whatever, you know, you, you got problems already. I, I get it. You know, you want to talk shit online. That's fine. I, I'm just going to go shoot my bow or I'm going to go, you know, hike or go do something and, and try to make my life and other people's lives better rather than all the negativity. Because it, of course, you're always going to talk a little bit of shit. But really, like, if you get into traditional archery and it's part-time, mm -hmm. all right, well, okay, maybe you might later on get into, uh, you know, shooting it full-time. Right. Getting closer. You might get addicted to getting close like I have. The thing is, is no matter what you're doing, you're outdoors, you're not on fucking computer, you're not, you know, playing Nintendo, you're, right. you're outside yeah. doing something. And I think that's more important than all the other shit people argue about, which is... As you saw, I read through those comments. I almost jumped on and I'm like, nope, I'm not going to do it, Snyder. <laughs> Stay the fuck off. Don't get involved. Yeah. <laughs> Write a comment, delete it. Write a comment, delete it. Oh, All right, yeah. I'm good. Well, I think, <laughs> I think that's just, it's funny either way. I was reading through comments today on something and uh, I, I every now and again, I'll just out of curiosity's sake, I'll jump and just read through and scroll through because I like to remind myself that people are, fucking stupid and they think I give a shit. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like people watching in Boulder for me. I'm like, ah, yeah, ah, ah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny. Yeah. And so 
for me, you know, it's a sport for some people. And I think like, great, you've, you've got something to do in your part-time, which ultimately is, is negative. So I'm trying only to reinforce positive. So there's no way that I would even engage in typically negative information, especially if it's just coming from, you know, trolls regardless, which is good for everybody, right? It's like, hey, if you're listening to the podcast, you're like, oh, I'm going to leave a negative comment. Go right ahead. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. I'm still going to be doing this here's, podcast. Here, here's the, uh, I tell you what, I sent you those photos and said something about the coffee gaming strength. Yeah. That turned into a shit show. Really? Um, I, bat, I had to delete, I blocked probably 20 people. And it's funny, Why? I would block, hey, you fucking dumb shit. I mean, bad comments. And I'm like, and I'd block them and then they'd message me on Facebook. Why'd you block me? I'm like, you called me a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't I block you? I'm like, think about if you were in front of me, what would happen? Like, a blocking is minimal compared yeah. to, and the thing was, is like, when you look at things and you're there, you were in the situation where you shot that elk uh, for that, that sheep. Is it smart to pack out a whole one? No, probably not. But prototype frame, we're 200 and some yards from the truck. I literally, we were, we were getting ready to get it. I was like, hey, strap it on the pack. Let's break this thing. Right. And they were like, what? And I'm like, I can pack it. Yeah. And they're they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, if you guys can get me to my feet, I want to break. I want to see if the frame will break. It's right. part of R&D. Yeah. Right? You drink coffee to test oh, it before you idea. sell it. Right. Mm-hmm. So they strapped it on. They got me to my feet and they were like, you care if we film it? And I'm like, it'll be a shit show. I didn't know how bad of a shit show, right. but I was like, yeah, go ahead. And literally I had people messaging me now and you guys are aware of I'm gotten a lot of animals and breaking them down every year. I had guys messaging me how to break down an animal, (laughs) how to gut an animal, (laughs) how stupid I was now. And I look at this and I, I know people, let's say Brian Shaw, strongest man in the world. Is anybody messaging him stupid for carrying a refrigerator? Right. Well, okay. (laughs) I'm not, and this isn't tooting my own horn. You know how much I train. I train every day. I'm in the gym every day. I have a, a, that hit mill X where I can deadlift or shoulder shrug as I'm packing a 50 pound weight fest to train for this. Right. I'm not saying everybody should do it. I'm just saying I wasn't worried. They're like, oh, you're going to twist an ankle. That's about the 30th full bodied animal I've packed out. I'm okay. Right. But I appreciate the advice, you know, but I got it, dog. 680 comments after I deleted some. And it literally was just to show how strong our frames are and me test it. And you want to talk about the goof troop popping in. I mean, I've got guys that kill one doe in their entire lives calling me an idiot. And I'm yeah. like, okay. And that's where like, for me, as I'm reading through, I wanted to actually say, hey, this is, you know, with the frame and that's not much. Right. And I'm like, uh, not impressed. This guy's a moron. All right, delete. Oh, this guy's an idiot. Forgot his knife. Okay, delete. Some of them were funny, right? Yeah, and I yeah. left them. But literally I'm like, what is going on in people's minds? What happened to them to put them in a position to say, because it is the internet, like what would what would happen if I walked up to you in the street and said, dude, I saw the way you parked. You're a fucking moron. You're going to get hit in the fucking face, right? Like something's going to happen, but on the internet, they can get away with it. Well, I think, <laughs> I think you're right. I think most of the time, even if that happened on the street, I've just like, like, walked by because the person's typically... Uh, you know, probably 450 pounds yeah. or whatever, right? And it's just yeah. like, this just isn't worth my time. And at the end of the day, I have a company to run. This is my side job. Yeah. I, I like doing this because I like running a podcast at, with interesting people and having conversations. It's my part-time job that I do for fun at the end of the day. So I love hunting. It's recreation for me. I love promoting. 
hunting because I believe in conservation. I believe in the psychological health it provides. I believe in all the aspects of, you know, from the field to the table, all of those things need to be reinforced. I think as a community, uh, we, not we, because I I can't necessarily say that I'm directly part of that because you're really into the hunting community. You're part of it. Um, at times you've got a lot of guys like, like, you know, uh, trad, Shooting trad is known in, by the compound community as what? A lot of the compound, it's looked down upon. Yeah. Yeah, it's looked down upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I made that joke earlier this morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, and I mean, I, I took a ton of abuse because I called it a struggle stick, which right. like South, South Cox, guy that built your bow yeah. stalker, he was like, yeah, I, I agree. It's a badge of honor if you can get close enough and it is more difficult to shoot something with a stick and just like a, a rifle is easier than a compound, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. You know, and, and again, like, I just look at it like, look, I, you know, this is free info. We don't have sponsors on our podcast or, you know, I don't right. think you Same. guys, yeah. this is just general entertainment and helping people out. Same with my Instagram page. I'm just, just giving out cool pictures and helping people out. Well, it's wild. Like, you know, I'm sure that the people that were commenting that maybe you had to delete or were really just firing for effect. Those aren't like moose guides that are packing out 100, no. 120 oh, pound quarters. Like, one of the you know, first it's guys exactly that, like you said, somebody it's, it's homie that killed a doe last year. Clay Lancaster, uh, yeah. the NWT outfitters. Yeah. I, I help him out. He's like my brother. First thing he's like, yep, dude, no brains, all brawn. That's why I love you. <laughs> and, uh, all the guys that I knew were, are heavy hitters. were like yeah. badass dude. Cause you know, it, it was it a manly thing for me. I turned 44 that day. So Solid. I did, I was like, Hey, yeah, let's see if I can still do this. Right. And part of it was, it was that. And, and, yeah, and most of it was like, I just wanted to see if I could break the frame. Yeah. And, if you've oh had that Lord. much weight on your back, you know, like, yeah. all right, that's pretty fucking cool. Well, and, and, and with, with any of the stuff we're talking about, like you were, you were saying, um, you know, if somebody approached you in your street, you just walk by. The thing is, is it's not going to happen on the street. No, you know, it never will. Because they, they all said, no, I have a sub-second draw from the concealed. So it's yeah. like, at the end of the day, they're watching this, they probably know. Yeah. Man, I, I really don't want a hole in my head. That's probably something I don't really want. And Which me shooting a pistol is a lot like you shooting that wall. It's depressing it as is. That is my nemesis. I'm, I'm good with any rifle. With a pistol, if we ever go to the range, you're going to be behind me saying, Let's hey, do it. dipshit. I... I Everybody has their strong points. But again, with what we're talking about, if you just want to get in the outdoors, minus poaching, it's a good thing. It's right? a good it's thing. A good thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, following the laws and everything else, but you are, and if you're a spear of influence and you're getting people into the outdoors, that's a good thing. Because you, you think about it the way we're going now, uh, Nintendo Belly seems to be a lot worse now than it was, you know, we were both raised in logging communities. Yeah. Um, we didn't have Nintendo. I had a chainsaw, right? I was falling trees at 12 years old and cutting firewood because we right. had a wood stove. Now, it, things are a lot different. So trying to pass on some of those traits is important. So arguing about some of the other stuff is like, I'll just read it and laugh. I don't have time for it. Oh, and it's funny because you're right. When uh, when I was growing up, I think my mom might have rented a Nintendo for me on like my eighth or ninth birthday. I forget what it was, but I I'd, I'd never had yeah. a gaming system in my house. We didn't really have a lot of channels. We didn't have satellite. Yeah. <laughs> so for us, there was never really a motivation to stay inside because we couldn't really watch TV and there was nothing really on it to watch. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, how old are you? 
I'm 43. Or 44, we're, sorry. We're close 44. to the same yeah. age. And we, you grew up in Oregon, yeah. right? Oregon, yeah. Detroit yeah. Lake, 200 people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, trying to explain when people ask, um, you know, me do to do not necessarily motivational leadership speeches right. and things. A lot of it is we picked mushrooms for school clothes, right? We split yeah. firewood. We did things that now would be like, you know, like I, I had was running around picking like morels and chanterelles and things like that. We'd sell. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of money. I mean, did I, was I envious of kids that had money at that time? I mm-hmm. was, but I wouldn't change any of it now because it good work ethic. And, and I mean, again, like how many people nowadays, do you know, that can't change their oil or can't start a fire, God. right? I mean, I mean, it's pretty do any of that. Yeah. I'll triple A to change a tire. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. We had that debate. Oh, I, don't, I don't know if we had the debate. It wasn't a debate. My wife and I were having this conversation about uh, in, in 38 states or something like that, maybe it's 36, it's considered child abuse if you um, make your kids do physical activity. And I was like, what? 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 Uh, well, that, that's what I said. I was Where's like, the line how, there? How, how are they defining that? Because yeah. I remember packing wood yeah. <laughs> into the house, like in stacking wood over and over and over cords. Of yeah, it, four right? or five cords I couldn't for the swing winter. an axe mm-hmm. because I was five. Yeah. But I could carry two. Yeah. Two blocks of wood. I, 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 you're giving me flashbacks of my mom saying three armloads before dinner because <laughs> yeah. I had to pack it in. I mean, she, yeah. no shit. My mom would be like, you got to bring in three armloads and you can eat. So that's why <laughs> I, I was thinking about this. <laughs> I, I, and I never thought of that as a, when I was a kid, even as adult looking back on it, I never thought my parents were being mean to me. It was just part of my chores. So our, our physical is physical labor today in some ways is considered child abuse in some states by people. And obviously it's all subjective. And I, I doubt there'd be a lot of judges that would think that that's true. But if that's where we're headed, where oh, it makes you scared. can't teach your kids <laughs> how to do physical Anything. things where you can say, hey, go grab this without thinking, well, wait a minute. You know, my seven-year-old She's tough as nails, man. I was riding around the neighborhood yesterday and she was she ran almost a mile yeah. by herself, like back and forth and doing some stuff. Then we took our bikes and went down to this coffee shop in our neighborhood. I got her like a little, you know, little cocoa and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. A non-black rifle coffee shop, believe it or not. I actually go and <laughs> and 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 go to local businesses other than my own and drink coffee. I'm thinking, you can ride your bikes. So if you if you tell your kids we're gonna go for a bike ride. Is that that's physical is activity? Is that considered like what is what is happening to our society where you're you're where's you're, the left and right I, limit here? So I, I had a uh, Kennedy on ours the other day. Tim mm-hmm. Kennedy. We had a lot of most of it was these kind of conversations, right? Because it's it scares yeah. me a lot, a lot because you know and 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 not just um like if you had the top ten list of, of being a man, right or, right, or or whatever, or I, not being chauvinistic, but. Couple skill sets, some skill sets. Like you know, I, I think everybody should be able to build a fire, change your oil, yes. split, you know, general stuff. And talk to like navigation, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's got the easy button now, and and I get it. I have a GPS on my watch, but learning how to navigate, right? Like there's certain things, especially if you're going to go out in the woods, you need to learn. Yeah. What's crazy to me is not crazy, but I knew those before I turned 18. Like I worked right. on a trail crew team for the Forest Service, and I joined the Army, and it it, it expanded that, right? But where now, like, I just made a post. I was like, who would pay $250 for Mike Kern and I to teach the land nav class? Yeah. 
I think we're up to like 2,000 people. Are yes. you kidding me? And so, Shit. you know, yeah. I told Mike, I'm like, hey, dude, this, because we're going to start a school with, you know, we talked about that. So I'm like, dude, we might need to rethink that initial maybe 30 people to <laughs> a, more, right? Yeah. We may need to break this up, but yeah. at least that shows there's people hungry for knowledge, right. which I like. What's really worried about to me, which we're diving off the deep end here, like COVID. I get it. COVID's here. Yep. Obesity's here too. Like there's a lot of other things that are here, right? That, that, that when I say that meaning- They're not going away. Yeah. Um, when you look at things, when I say, when bringing up like, like COVID, COVID's real. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I got it, right? I couldn't taste shit for a month sure. um, or smell. But there's a lot of other issues out in the world too that are causing problems that everybody seems to overlook. Fitness is one of them. Huge. Yeah. And I'm a big fitness guy and I'm all about fat shaming because I'm naturally a fat kid. If I wasn't fat shamed, I wouldn't have lost weight, right? Yeah. Like, like I need you to say, hey, fat fuck, you're gaining weight. I'm like, yeah, I better hit the gym. I need that. Right. You do that nowadays? Like you're you're an asshole, right? You know what yeah. I mean? And I get it, but it's like pushing forward and trying to 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 as Tim had said, kind of alter the the future yeah. by doing one little part at a time, teaching classes, kind of showing people, you know, things that that seem to be lost nowadays. Like there's a lot of things that I feel are super lost and you've been to way more shitholes than I am. People kill for what we throw away every day in other countries. Every day, I think. And you have to teach kids how to be hard. That's the other thing. You you have to teach your kids how to be resilient. Yeah. And you have to look for those opportunities to plug in and be an influence to them. So for me, you know, I have two girls, three and seven, and I don't want them growing up weak. Yeah. I don't want them to be mentally weak. I want them to be physically and psychologically strong people that provide something of substance to humanity. It's a, you you know, there's a difference too between being just a straight up asshole and teaching your kids how to be tough. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and that toughness isn't necessarily just physical, right? Like, no, it's mental. Them, it's mental fortitude. Yeah. Like the psychological part of it is is huge. You know, yeah. there's so many. How many times do you turn the news on or read an article and it's depression at an all time high, anxiety in the workplace, all time high, and you know a lot of that is it's coming from people that are what eighteen, like just getting into the workforce, eighteen mm. to twenty six years old, and they're anxious about this much work or that much work or either too much or too little, or am I doing the right thing or am I not? And, you know, maybe that's coming from a lack of mental fortitude and being pushed hard when they were younger. And, yeah. and that's a shame because that's, it's not necessarily their fault. Yeah. You know, but somebody has to fix it. You're, you're right. Help I have them. My daughter's 19 and, yeah. and, and she was, thank God, raised around yeah. People like us. And and also my, my ex-wife's a, a preacher, if you can believe that. So she's pretty well-rounded. But people would ask me, like we would do training hikes and she would be there. And they're like, why aren't you back with her hiking? And I'm like, I want her to see like the effort it takes to to, to, right. to push forward. And, yeah. you know, and, and I got yelled at by hikers once because she sat down mm-hmm. in the middle of the, the, the we do the tower or the fire. Oh, road. yeah. She laid up on me. And, and again, I'll probably get yelled at. I was like, get your ass up. <laughs> and I, I came back and I'm like, get up. And 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 she, I love her to death, right? She'll listen yeah. to this and laugh. And she's like, do we get ice cream? And I'm like, you don't get a participation trophy for getting to the top. Get your ass up there now. <laughs> I'm, she knows I'm going to buy her one anyway. Right. I'm like, Kaylee, do not lay up on me. Go. And a lady walked up. She's like, you shouldn't be talking to your kid that way. And I'm like, that kid's getting to the fucking top and yours isn't. And I'm yeah. like, now my daughter and I have a very unique, she's right. as much as a friend, but it's like, Kaylee... I wanted her at a young age to see 
what the human body was capable of as well as the mind. Like yeah. you mm-hmm. can push through just about anything. You you can do it where a lot of her friends, um, and I'm not questioning their parenting or anything else, but they're raised differently than, than we were. Yeah. And I want her to be the leader of the pack. I want her mm-hmm. to know that she, when times are hard, she can fight through it where that is definitely leaving <laughs> the, 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 you hire people like we do. The younger generation sometimes does freak me out a little bit. Not always, but I get, a, and it's not their fault. Mm. It's, it's, it's the, it's how they were raised where again, I, I mean, sports and everything else, um, all of those things are important. And I see people now and I get it, you know, that, that, that uh, things are changing in the world, but biggest thing for me to go to school was sports, right? The, yeah. I mean, that was one of the reasons I made it through high school. Um, and it seems like sports now are kind of taking a downturn in some ways too. So, Yeah, and I don't even think it's a... Because I've, I've, I've thought about this quite a bit. I don't think it's one of those circumstances where we're just trying to hold on to the past. That's not it. I think that teaching mental resilience and leadership is a is a dying art because people have... They have put that into the the narrative of political correctness. Everybody has to get along and everything that you say has to be politically correct. Everything has to be, everybody gets a participation trophy. You can't teach your kids to be competitive. You can't, okay, but where is that going? Yeah. I think as a group psychology, uh, I, I feel like I'm a, a relatively happy person that has contributed a little bit to society, generally speaking. I love my kids. I'm really, you know, for me, I I really strive to, you know, show love and affection and emotional support and all of those things. But I also strive to to reinforce opportunities to teach leadership, mental resilience, and physical physical strength. Like how important are those things? To your your point, for me, I want my kids to be leaders. My job as their dad is to give them a bunch of skills, emotional support and confidence, psychologically develop them to make sure that they're confident. And more importantly, that they can have the confidence to go out yeah. and achieve what they want. And like, be yeah. independent. In right. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and I, and I agree totally. And, um, I, I think obviously this is way off the, the subjects of traditional archery, but I think it's <laughs> probably more important than traditional archery <laughs> is, um, when, when, when you're, when, when I was a kid, you just had to work, right? Yeah. There wasn't a lot where I was at, same with you. I don't know about you, but you, you had to work some, right? You had to, yeah. you had to get it. Like I would look at kids that had their whole life handed to him and it was, um, I was envious, right? Mm-hmm. I was, I, you know, as a young kid, I'm like, sure. you know, I can't go to that football camp. We can't afford it. Where now I, I'm, I'm glad it happened, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I had the obstacle. And I say obstacles, my mom loved the shit. I mean, when I glad I had obstacles because it makes you tougher mm-hmm. um, along the way. And I, I again, I'm not, not bashing the younger generation, but I it does make me nervous. And again, it's not their fault. It's what they're being told, right? It's what they're, how they're being raised or told or whatever else. The, the particip- participation yeah. trophy scares the shit out of me. It scares the shit out of me where it becomes socially acceptable just to quit. Yeah. And not finish too. Right? And get a good so, job for it. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> I just don't feel like doing this. No, you're, you're going to finish this. You yeah. know, you're going to finish it to completion. It makes me nervous when, uh, you know, people continue to have this conversation around, you know, American society that it's okay just to say, fuck it. 
you know, because you do you, right? It's like, you do you, everything's okay. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like my job is to make sure that you understand very specifically what it takes to complete a project that you start. And I, I really hate that entire narrative of it's just, you know, it's okay for you just to, you know, when you're uncomfortable, just to quit. And it's like, no, you got to push through some shit. And it starts little, little yeah. things. Like my kid, um, we were going to the, going skiing the other day. Those videos are awesome. <laughs> she was, she was like walking into the, into the, you know, to the lodge and she was, she was complaining about her skis. She's like, can you carry these? I was like, no, you're carrying them. If you want to ski, you're going to carry your own skis. You got to carry your own weight around here. This is what we do in this family. We carry our own weight. And she didn't like it. Yeah, but she did it. She did it. And then guess what? The, one of the, the first things she said when she came back carrying her skis, when she got, she's like, I carried my skis. And she was really proud of carrying her own weight, doing her own thing, carrying her shit yeah. to completion. <clears throat> But I know uh, if I would have lost that opportunity with her to say, yeah, no problem. I'll take them. And it was like 30 yards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. And I was like, you can take a break. If you need to stop and take a break, it's not a big deal, but you're going to carry your own shit up here because you're going to use that. It gives them a sense of pride. And yeah. we, we were on um, uh, one of the Kafaru hike thing, mm-hmm. a backpacking trip and yeah. a bunch of people showed up. Yeah. And, Couple of the stragglers, I, I had. Um, I'm, I'm not going to mention their name. You probably know them. They were in your line of work, and uh, I stopped and I'm like, "Should we go back and grab their shit and help them?" And he literally was like, "Fuck no." He's like, "We'll we'll give them verbal support. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a badge of honor if they make it." And right. I'm like, "I'm good with that, dude. If you are," and I said, "Let's stash our shit." And he's like, "What are you a pussy?" And he was like, "Wait, you lost me. What do you mean?" He's like, "It's good exercise. Just carry your pack back down the hill." I'm like. Dude, we're coming right back by here, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll carry it back <laughs> But that sounds like that's, something. Yeah, yeah, but that's literally like the, he, he had very good points. He's like, we're going to talk to them and we're going to make sure they make it, but we are not going to carry their shit. Yeah. And I was like, no. And it was just a true sense of accomplishment when they when they got there. No different than any challenging task. Yeah. Well, and and rotating back to like where we started with archery and hunting, right? Yeah. That is something. I'm glad. Like I'm newer to hunting, like hunting archery. And I'm glad I got into it because now I can then pass that along also. And I think it's all of our responsibility to do that because it does give people a hard task that is not easy to accomplish and takes a lot of effort, pre-planning and practice yeah. to get there. And then if you end up being successful, you feel that sense of accomplishment and right. want to continue doing that. And I think so many people are hungry for that specific thing. Well, that's it for me with the stick bow. Yeah. It's, it's a better sense of accomplishment once yeah. I've accomplished the because, task. Because how much do you have to, how many arrows a day do you have to shoot with that damn stick bow as opposed to a compound for you specifically, right? I don't, I don't have to shoot a compound now at all. I exactly. mean, it's like riding a bike. I mean, I'll right. pick Precisely. it up and shoot. But you take a week or two off with a stick bow for any number of reasons. And I'm sure you can oh, see, you're a little let, rusty. Alone, let yeah. alone feel the difference. <laughs> well, Huge difference. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, for people listening in, if they're, you know, and, and we did a little video earlier, should I shoot a stick bow or should I buy a compound? If you were picked last at Foursquare, you know, you're not the most genetically gifted person, 
you might want to shutter, start with a compound. It's, it's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No. If you're a goal-driven person, you got super good hand-eye coordination and you're into, you want to get super close and you're going to be okay with maybe shooting smaller animals or not, not, not harvesting or killing as many, get the stick bow. For me, it was weird because I did it it's almost on a bet to right. prove a point. And now I'm like, God, I should have started doing this a long time ago because <laughs> I'm, I'm addicted to adrenaline. Right. Yeah. There's nothing more, well, not nothing. One of the top few things um, for adrenaline and satisfying is sneaking in within a few feet of an animal. I shot a mule deer at four feet. Um, my broadhead was between its horns when I drew back. And literally, this was my first year shooting a stick and f- rewind on my first hunt with a stick. I'm 60 yards from a bear and I'm like, you'd be so fucking dead if I had my compound. <laughs> yeah. and I ended, Son of a I bitch. I ended up killing it, right? I got it. But I literally was like, okay, I have got to restructure the way I hunt. Like, right. I can't just drop a bomb at 60 now. Like, I had to reinvent the wheel and I'm right. like, okay, no, note to self, like, Snyder, you're, you are going to have to change the way you hunt because literally, I started four months later, I was hunting uh, with, a, with a stick bow. And... I missed what, that. What, you, what were you hunting for the first, your first stick bow hunt? I, I, turkey, the first uh-huh. one, which is a huge shit show. I mean, trad flags everywhere. I ended up killing turkeys, <laughs> but I'm like, okay. So then we went uh, spot and stock bear in British Columbia. I was with Jeff Lander. Oh, and cool. he's a huge stick bow guy. Right. And he's giving me all these mental, you know, where the hunt ends with your compound, it's going to begin. With, and he's giving me, I'm like, okay. So as I'm get, trying to get to this bear, I'm thinking of all these things he's saying. And honestly, I'm thinking... You don't be a bitch. Just keep going. You will get it because I'm nothing crazy. Mosquitoes, you know how they yeah, are. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting eaten alive and I'm back and forth up this hill. And and, and I finally, I get, I, I mouse squeak because I can't get any closer. And I'm not a set of car keys. I'm a big bald fucker, right? I'm like, so I go, and he's, he comes. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to work. And I'm fucking missed. <laughs> what did you, I shot right between his feet and I'm like, well, he didn't hear the bow go off, and Tom Plum told me he was like, "Look, you will get two to three arrows off at animals." Are, so damn are you quiet. serious? He literally he was standing on a stump at eighteen yards, chest to me. I was going to shoot him in the chest. I shot. It hit the stump. He picked his pop and he looked down and was like, and turned broadside. I'm like, "Oh, I'm not going to miss on this one." And I, I pinwheeled him. Well, I didn't pinwheel him. I made a good shot. Right. I literally that was the best feeling with archery I'd ever had. I'm like, I can do it now get your shit together because this is way fucking harder than I thought it'd be. So you got a lot of, ro- you got an uphill road to hoe. So right. then we went from that from to elk. And I just, I, with elk, any side thing within 80, it was, it was dead. And right. we had multiple elk between 40 and 80. And even some shots now I would take now at like 36, 38. Well, finally, uh, well, in the middle of that, we had to come out of the woods and take a break and shower. And, and so I didn't get divorced. I go on a mule deer hunt. I'm like, Frank, you want to go on a mule deer hunt for the day? We go in, we spot a mule deer, he beds. And I'm like, Frank, um, I'm going to, I'm going to back out, go way around four and a half hour stock. I end up literally, there's photos on my Instagram. I'm standing here and the deer's at the floor. And Frank, when, when I finally got to where I was supposed to be, we have hand signs and I look in the binos and I see Frank, the dude's just loyal. He's doing the, you're there, dude. And I'm like, okay, I'm here. Now, where the fuck is this deer at? Like, he's given me the I'm there. I see one tine above the rock. Like, oh, shit. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to shoot this thing. I'm going to have to stand it up. So I get to eight, nine yards, and I'm throwing rocks. He's not moving his head. And I'm like, I got a 30-mile-an-hour, 20-mile-an-hour gust. I'm going to take a step every time it gusts. Ten gusts later, my foot's on the rock. I go to step up, and the wind blows me back down. I'm in my socks. Deer didn't move his head. And I was like, 
So I get on the rock and I was so close, my shadow, they'll think it's a mountain lion. Right. was starting to crest towards his eyes and I ducked down and Frank's watching this and I'm like, I can't draw my bow. The arrow's so close. So I go up in between his antlers and I draw back straight down and I hear Frank screaming, right? Because I, I mean, I shot it straight through down right. to the heart. I was like, okay, okay, that did not do any confidence for long range shooting. But <laughs> right. That was fucking intense. Yeah. I, was like, I mean, I was like typewriter leg, yeah. leg shaking. And I was like, so I get, I'm like, can you believe that? He's like, no, I can't believe that, dude. I saw you shoot a mule deer at 130 yards. He's like, you shot that one at like five feet. I'm like, man, this is fucking addictive. Like, <laughs> so then I shot an elk shortly after that and, um, and some other animals or whatever. But it was one of those things where the more I did it, I'm like, my badge of honor now isn't shooting at something at 100. I'm going to shoot something at three How close feet. can I get? And, and I've shot, well, you guys have seen, I've, sh I've shot yeah. a bunch of stuff. I mean, there's nothing, well, that last out that I shot, yeah. I came in on top of the group. I'm going to shorten this story really far down, looking where they're going to egress. I'm like, okay, I can't get close enough. With a compound, I would have just shot them. And I'm like, I got to figure out where they're going to evacuate the area. I got to figure out where they're going to leave. I go to the spot. I think they're going to leave. 13 ewes and lambs walk by me at 18 yards. I'm like, I'm golden. I got this. Two ewes and lamb, a ewe and a lamb come up and the ewe literally starts bumping her head into my limb tip because they caught movement and they're trying to figure out doing this, looking at me. And Scotty's shit. watching. What was funny, I was on the phone with the governor of Wyoming, the building council, my business partners, and Scotty's like, fucking hurry because they're on the mountain. They're like, get off the phone. I'm like, dude, I can't hang up on, on, on Wyoming, right? right. I, I got to talk. I get off the phone, get my crap, haul ass up there. You know, an hour later, he's watching and he's like, Scotty has Topo Texas Outfitters. That's the dude I guide for. He's telling Chad, I think that motherfucker's hitting him in the head. <laughs> I mean, he's like, what's going on? And so they, I'm like, this isn't going to end well, like, because they're going to blow out. That's how I killed that ram. It was the lead ram that that lamb blew out, went 20 yards down the hill. It's going, meh. Well, that thing muscled up and just straight to my shot at nine yards um, broadside because it was coming to see what was going on. And I was like, oh, that, that was intense. Like in first stock, first, first day we were down there and 33, 34-inch owl dad, um, he, you know, huge. And I shot one with Scotty the year before at four feet. Um, and, and it wasn't a stock. I, I ambushed him. But right. it was literally those kind of things. I'm only telling these stories is that'll never happen to me with a compound because I'll drop a bomb at 80. Yeah. With a stick, I have to get closer. Right. And I've become addicted to that. It's not for everybody. But now when I go into a hunt, I'm like, okay. Let's see if I can get within a foot right. of, of this thing. Not all hunts. I mean, some I'm like dropping a 40-yard bomb because I just can't get any closer. Yeah, but a, most of the time. A 40-yard bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 40s. I hit that javelina at 57. It literally looked like, I mean. I mean, Jesus, that's not a big animal. Well, no. and it's a pig. They have, so. like, they're, yeah, yeah, it's a pig. But Scotty was like, good Lord, how long was that arrow in the air? And I was like, I don't know, dude, it was far. And, and I have um, a, an aiming system, 40 is my point on. And then I know how many arrows above for different distances. Right. On a bet, I wouldn't have said I would have pinwheeled it, right? I, right. But I 12 ring. And I was like, oh, that was cool. But then one of the other pigs I shot was like four feet and then it charged me. And it's just an adrenaline thing. And when I say adrenaline, meaning I get more out of the the, the kill or the harvest, whatever you want to call it than I did with a compound. And and there's yeah. nothing wrong with either one, That's but that's why I'm addicted to it now. Well, that makes a lot of sense because it, there there is a, a certain amount of evolution, I think, too, because 
just like anything, when you get more proficient, you're looking for an additional layer of challenge. Yeah. And if, when you hit the end of the road, well, okay, so how can I challenge myself even further? How can I push myself even further? Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I really like about, you know, the the group of hunters that I that I follow. I know them, right? So I know you, I know John, you know, the other guys that I hunt with, like Trevor, you know, John Barklow or all these other weirdos. Like these guys are really fucking good hunters. And one that elevates your your ability to hunt, especially when you're around guys that are really proficient. And no it's, different than playing basketball. Yeah, yeah. you play to yeah, the yeah. level of your opponent or your you know who's around you. I what do you do in preparation? Which sounds like a, a, a dumb question, but no, it's I know what you're going to ask. It's not dumb. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your but what's your prep going in? Because you want to get as close as you can. So yeah. one of the things that that I always think about is, dude, you. Or do you leave your clothes out in the middle of nowhere and like not shower or like what in the like so the the biggest thing honestly is um things you might not think of is one mm-hmm. the noise your clothes makes like right. I don't worry about scent because mm-hmm. I, I it, at all right fourteen day backpack hunt your shit stinks I mean, yeah, yeah. So I, but I worry about the wind right. that's not something I have to practice the noise my clothing makes mm-hmm. the things you don't think about what your arrow hits when it bumps off the rest right um how much noise what can I walk through with socks? Do I need to wear more of a, I have some Vibram Aqua socks that Uh I put big socks over for different terrain cactus, right? Yeah. Um, I have a set, uh, a guy, Wesley Warner made me that are felt Mm -hmm. and I put carbon insoles in them so the cactus won't go through my my feet, things like that. So my my prep other than, you know, fitness and shooting Mm -hmm. is really okay. And and it'd be funny if you filmed it because Amy will see me peek over a a cliff at our house and just whip an arrow off. Right. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, if the deer's looking up, I got to, I got to wing one quick. So I'm working on abstract things that I know from experience are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Not the th- things a lot of people think about, but what I needed, will my bow pop at full draw? Like you hear your the, yeah. little limb pop. Yeah. Yeah. That'll blow a deer out quick. Right. Like when you're sub 10 feet, it, it's a different world when you're sub 10 yards. Right. Oh, and so, yeah. I, I'm more worried about honestly noise. Um, yeah, and, and and again, when I say noise, everything like right. Um, uh, a guy Matt Davis, he lives here. He blew a 190 deer out. He got too close too quick, and his nose was so you can't. So he's oh, about the 15th right. wipe. He right. He brushed his and it, you know if you hear this, yeah. Well, you hear that, and you're a deer, and you're you're there to live. Right. That thing blew out from a thumb touching a bino harness. So those are the things you see South Cox. He gets yeah, naked I, all the time. He's yeah. in his underwear. I've Seriously. seen a number of videos of him yeah. stalking in on mule deer in his freaking underwear and socks. Yeah. Because yeah. the skin is quiet. Yeah. Um, now me, I don't, my legs, I'll just show you the camera can't see. I will scare deer off because those legs are white. And so I, <laughs> I, I dropped my pants once and Frank's texting me. Put your fucking pants back on, bro. Deer are running. Those are two beaches from here. Yeah. <laughs> but, Fluorescent. But, oh, Lord, I need to tan more. But I literally work on those type of things more than, I mean, it's a very good question. Because if your bino harness clicks or something abstract like that, and you're getting sub 20 yards, especially right. sub 10, that's what's going to blow the animal out. If you physically already got there, the fitness part's out of the way. It, it's truly, when you get in that close, 
when you talk about a game of cat and mouse, cat and mouse is is over. I mean, right. you, there's no more catting and mousing. Like you're really that last foot the cat strikes. Right. Is is that movement the wrong movement? Was the cat looking, you know, was the animal looking at the cat, whatever. When you're that close and, you know, like I said, the, the animal hears this, he's going. And so that silence and how quiet you are is really more important than, than anything, which I don't know. That answers your question exactly, but no, it's just it's interesting because how do you train for that other than just stalking animals? You know, so this is weird to practice it. the The best thing you can possibly do, which if you have a really cool wife like I do, she sits down there. I'm like, can you hear that? Right. And she, I mean, my poor wife, I have her down listening to veins. Hide behind that tree. Which one's louder? <laughs> I'm not. And she, she, she's like, three's three's loud. Two was good. Right, and I'll fire six arrows for my bane configuration. Um, she's out there filming me with my arrow flight. Right, all of those things. Now, is it the same as an animal? The animals where yeah. you know your rubber meets the road, and you really learn. But to get prepped for that again, you know, snapping your how loud is your knock when you snap it on your string? Mm-hmm. It's fucking loud. Yeah. So you do that at twenty, your stock's over. You got to do it early. So those are right. things. Well, I mean, like I've I, so I I took that stalker stick out for elk. This last year, we didn't get a chance to even draw on one, but I had thought about a couple of those things because I think I had heard you mention some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I know that my bow, the very first time I draw it back in the day, will kind of do a little bit of a creek snap. Yeah. So first thing out of the truck that yeah. I did is I draw it back a couple times yeah. and get all that shit out of that thing. Yeah. Yep. All that stuff worked out of that system. Yep. And then even if we thought we heard something, I'd knock an arrow. Yeah. Like, all right, it's on there. Now we're good. Yeah. And, and and I'm not, you know, this isn't like um, a, a manly thing when I'm talking like this is, you know, I'm badass and I, I fucked up a lot to learn this. Like I, yeah. the collective of experiences, it's like, look, dude, I didn't pop out of the womb. I blew like 40 animals out to learn that. You know what I mean? It's like when right. I'm telling you this, this isn't my opinion or bro science. Like I, I, I blew a 220 inch mule deer out, um, right. knocking my knock. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you got to like, I mean, I'd like to have everybody listening that's newer take stocks. Yeah. Don't like, don't freak out, you know, unless it's like the one of a life, uh, some freak animal, take a chance because you're not going to learn how not to do it by not doing it. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is I started doing that even when I wasn't hunting, just trying to get close to animals, right? Just trying to to hunt, (laughs) just trying to stalk. Yeah. It reminds me of what we used to do to our gear. Yeah. 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 You'd take your gear and you would go through every ounce of gear that you had and you would, you would one, you would wrap anything that could squeak and tape. Right. So you'd use moleskin, uh, rigors tape, rigors Rigors tape, tape. and you would quiet everything. So you, and, and that was a whole exercise that you would go through everything and run through your gear and walk through it and tape everything off. And Jump just up and down. That program I told you I was yeah. working on. Where I, that's one of the number one things they ask. Right. How can I get quieter? Because yeah. when they're um, moving on the X, right? Like noise, it's big. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really think about it at the time, but I'm like, yeah, I guess if you can get a few feet from a deer, you got somewhat figured out. Yeah. So like, you know, buckles. Oh, yeah. Waxing them. You put wax on a buckle on the bino harness right. that takes away the noise. Your limb popping. Yep. Take the limb off. You want to put you want to put wax on the limb pocket. That takes away that pop. Right. Um, you know, things like that where 
I'm not sucking in anything shooting back at me, and I'm nowhere at the level you guys were, but I learned some of that from the military, yeah. but most of it was blowing fucking animals out, right? Because right? I wasn't in during an, an army in combat time, right? Mm -hmm. I, I missed it. I was in the Clinton administration time frame where you're just traveling around training, right? right. Um, and when I, when I got out, I had a base level of knowledge from the years that I was in, but I tell you what, Blowing fucking giant animals out will definitely <laughs> help you learn, especially you're already eight miles in and you just blew a stock three miles from camp. You want to talk about the cone of shame? Like, I got to fucking do this again tomorrow. Like, and all it, from it, some, doing something stupid. And well, it's, always, it's always little shit too, right? Right. Like, it's stuff like, like you're saying, like wax on there or like holding a fast tech after it's already been buckled and yeah. releasing it yeah. as oh, opposed yeah. to snapping it through. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many times I've heard people snap stuff through. I'm like, bro, just, just, like, hey, just hold on I'm to right the wax side, yeah. you idiot. Just hold like, it. What the fuck yeah. you doing? Well, the, the other thing too, that when you talk about prep, which this is something nobody thinks about, um, you know, like, I don't know, you, you guys go through, what is it called? Target detection or whatever for, you know, snipers and mm -hmm. shit. So finding it is one thing. Walking to that motherfucker is another one. Yeah. And oh, so yeah. I, some of the courses that I teach, I'm like, okay, we're going to glass and we just found that rock. Your ass has got to go from here to there without my help. What are you going to do? Well, for, for me now, I take a photo with my cell phone, blown out. I put a dot on it. I zoom it in, and now I do my approach. Huh. Um, and so I can look at it. Now it's backwards, but it still right. works. The next thing I do is I shoot an azimuth past um, the, the deer yep. or sheep mm -hmm. yep. to the largest point I can. I take a back azimuth, and I put a BF-17 panel or whatever on my mm -hmm. pack. So when I circle back, I'm oh, shooting my cool. back azimuth, and I know it's in line. Right. Where I'm at, I range. This is super anal, but you got to do this shit with a stick bow. Right. I range everything I can and I have a notepad and I write that down. So when I peek over and I can see that rock, if that rock was 680 yards from where I am, the deer was 30 yards past it and I'm 100 yards past that, I pretty much can drop a J-dam on that fucker. Like right. I know right where it's yeah. at. Otherwise, I'm going in with hope. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's fucking in here somewhere. Uh, <laughs> Left or right, I don't know. Where now I have a pinpoint, and nobody yeah. practices that. Well, that's so. a. I think they, I think we used to call those uh, range cards, right? So yeah, yeah. no, those range cards. Yeah, so like you would identify and it, and, and you draw, you do the whole thing. But yeah. obviously, you're not moving to that place. You're you're just talking doing surveillance and then yeah. talking somebody, right? But that's really interesting. I didn't think about that. Well, that VS17 panel on your pack, shooting it back, Asmith, and looking at your entire route. I would have never. I would have never what, got there. You, you, you do, and I say this in lighthearted but funny. You blow out three or four deer, you're, you're going to become it. pretty fucking crafty. And that, it, it wasn't like <laughs> for me. If we're, I say nine miles, whatever, five right, miles sure. in, but you've had to go a mile up, climb a thousand feet, come over, go down cliffs, and nothing looks the same. It's, it's the dark side of the, when you get yeah. over there. You're like, is that the bush or is that? So the, the right. phone for the photo thing, and I stole that off my recce buddy. He's oh. an artist drawing. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm not an artist, but I'll take a fucking picture. Um, so I took it with my phone and I'm yeah. like, and then I take red dot is the animal. White dot is my potential shot opportunity. I range that if I can. Right. So I know my potential shot up with a compound is 80 and in. Mm -hmm. With a stick is 40 and in. I put my 40 yard mark and I range that mm -hmm. and I put that dot on. And again, that azimuth, that back azimuth, it's giving me my direct line. Right. It's your lane. And I, yep. And then I pop over and I start ranging and that's when you're solo. And it, that it is such good. a good idea, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is such a good idea. Well, again, I didn't, I, that's for me fucking up a lot learning that. And I was fucking up with a compound too. I've just perfected it with the stick. The other thing people don't, you know, think about like I'm shooting trad. I don't want a range finder. If that's your choice, 
Mm-hmm. By all means. I don't use it as much for shooting because I can judge pretty good out to 40 because right. I came up when we didn't have range pointers. Right. Yeah. What I do use it for is, okay, that's 680 yards away. Right. And this is, that's 710. All right, I'm in the money when I get to that rock. Right. And then I write that on my notepad. Um, yeah. And I take lots of notes. So when I come over the top of the cliff, I'm looking at the wind direction where I was, the yeah. wind direction where I am, the thermals. I have these wind floaters. It's like um, cattails. Rather than the puffy thing that lets you show three feet, I drop it. So if my wind's questionable, I grab my binos and I watch that float all the way down and the thermals will change. So you might think you don't have a stock. You drop two or three of those in 10 minutes. It's going to tell you what the prevailing wind and thermals are doing. And I'm looking at that saying, okay, I can't take the approach I wanted, but I can take this other approach because of what that little stupid thing blowing down the hill told me we can take approach now from the right. Now, it may be more questionable. The deer may be bedded with his head to the right or whatever, but you you didn't just walk over there for no reason or you just sit on top and keep dropping them until it changes. And right. then you know you can make your approach. Yeah. So they're wind drifters or what they're, wind floaters or what they're called. And it, where do you buy those? You can get them online. Yeah. Um, a lot of people make fun of me because I pay for them, but we don't have... Uh, that specific plant in Colorado. So right. driving to Tennessee to pick it or ordering it on Amazon, I just right. get it on Amazon. But <laughs> yeah. um, it's like, a, I say a cattail. It's, um, I can't remember the name of it, what, what tail it's called, but it's super handy. You could use cotton. You can use oh, right, anything, right, but right. that has saved me a lot. And I don't use it all the time, right. but literally like sheep hunting. I mean, while we're, how, how, much, how much time do we have as we're diving Plenty. down the rabbit hole? Another half yeah. hour. You know, you, like I carry an ice axe walking stick. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that because I'm going across a glacier. Do I? I do it for, one, I do it in the case of like when we're in WT, when a helicopter comes in, it's just getting the willows out of the way so the tail rotor doesn't hit. Right. But seeps to get water. There ain't a lot of water up high. Right. So digging out to where we can make, a lot of times we'll take a map or a beef jerky wrapper and then mm-hmm. we make a spigot for it to flow down for water because right. there is none. Um, digging out a bed, right, yeah. um, mm-hmm. to, to get the tent, things like that, which is it a little heavier than a walking stick? It, it is, but it's also a lot more, um, it, has, it offers a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so when we're going into some of these different areas, if there's a lot of times there's no flat spots where we might want to camp to cut down the climb, uh, you know, for glassing, I can dig a bed out with that at ISEX. Right. You know, so there's things like that that, I've just picked up along the way from backpack hunting so much that are huge when I talk about like the the seep. If you're getting one drip every five minutes, I, I leave a, a dry sack down there, uh, which people don't think a dry sack is a water source. They think of a Nalgene or a, or, or a water bladder. Mm-hmm. I take that 55 liter dry sack and I leave that bastard there all day. And, you know, we, we, we stack rocks around it. Mm-hmm. So it may be one drip every five minutes, but if I'm gone 12 hours, I have water when I get there. I remember because you, I think you and Barklow went down the rabbit hole on that for a while as far as you guys did a whole podcast or YouTube video, maybe both on uh, procuring water in the high country. Was that you and Barklow or was that you and somebody else? I can't remember. Yeah. Anytime we That's a great episode. So if you guys want to, if you guys tune into that, they they get into this. And Barklow, Barklow's, he was a what, winner? What was he? Diver. But, but no, he, he did he the survival, survival um, up in Kodiak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for a, I don't know. I want to say more than a decade. So he, if you guys want to go, he was like, the man. Fucking nerd out on this stuff. They do 
you guys did at least an hour and a half on that. Yeah. And anytime I get a subject like that, and um, I, I usually get Barclow most of the time with guys that have that experience or are still in or mm-hmm. are super busy like you guys, right. that um, while I have friends that are that are with uh, Deb Grew or CAG, I can't just call them and be like, hey, hop on a podcast because right. fucking they can't be seen. So yeah. I usually grab a Barclow or, yeah. or if you guys want to do them like when it's applicable because... With Barclow, the unique thing um, w- with him is is he does bow hunting. He's got a great pedigree there. He has a big pedigree as far as training. And even if you know it, sometimes you're not good at explaining it. Yeah. He's very good at, at breaking yeah. it down. Yeah. And it's not so nice because we have a lot of the same methodologies. Or, yeah. Like we were talking about river crossings the other mm-hmm. day with Mike Hearn. And people were listening like, you guys should charge for this. Because I was like, well, I, I strip naked. And then I I fill my dry sack up and then I blow it full of air. I put it back in my pack. So when if I eat shit, the pack floats. Yep. And if it's really bad, I tie a dummy cord to it to the side I was on. I obviously don't want to tie it to myself, but I right. tie it. So if I fall, it just pivots down on the shore. This actually happened to me before in Washington where I can walk back and go get it. Right. You're out there naked with a any because you're freezing to death, but yeah. you can get your shit. A lot of people are like, they just walk across the river. I'm like, they're soaked. Oh, you've never died. I mean, you've never been close to death. I'm like, what the fuck? Get naked, man. Like, why are you (laughs) walking with your shit? It's going to take three days to dry your boots out. We just try to teach that stuff to people. And again, the longer you're in the backcountry, just like anything, the more you learn. And you don't really learn it until you've fucked up. And then you learn it that way. That's the best way to learn it, I I think. It's important to get that stuff out there. I mean, like the the walking stick ice axe thing I picked up from Cole. Yeah. Because I've been up there guiding with him. I'm like, Cole, why do you have walking sticks and the ice axe walking stick? Yeah. Like, oh man, like, you know, it's for all the things you just described. Yeah. Like, and then when I'm carrying a rifle, I just stick my walking stick here and like, I can just like throw the sling on the stick and then I can like draw it real fast over my shoulder. And it's not just like, you know, hitting me in the hip and like bouncing all over the place. Or strapped to the pack. Exactly. You know, and it's not strapped to the pack where it's, Useless. Yeah. It's freaking useless in, yeah. in bear country. It just is. And um, I mean, for everybody listening, Stubai, S-T-U-B-A-I makes that ice axe walking yeah, stick. Yeah. They um, actually, just FYI. Not to take away from the Stubai. Yeah. I used the Stubai for years. That yeah. that New Zealand mountain gear oh, or mountain yeah, yeah, yeah. mountain stick. That's right. Dude, whoever built that, it spent some fucking time climbing mountains. Because I was like, whole, when he sent it, I was like, hey, dude, once Kafara gets our crap together, I'm ordering a hundred of these. I totally blanked on that one. Yeah. But- well, yeah. no, it's new. It just came out, yeah. but bigger carbon tube yeah. and yeah. it's taller. So you can hold a larger shelter oh, up with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that's nice that, you know, when you... It's called a New Zealand walking stick. No, no, it's from New Zealand. It's called, it's mountain gear. It's, it's, it's called a, it's called a mountain stick. Okay. Yeah. They're um, bad. I, I looked at them. They're badass. I, I was very impressed to the point, like, I literally was going to design one mm-hmm. and he sent that and I'm like, eh, fuck, <laughs> I'll be copying him. I can't do that. But... There's other things that that walking stick that people don't think about. If you're in a, a, a place or a point when you when you have that walking stick, because it, it is durable, it won't bend. Yeah. Um, we've hung game meat off of it, oh, things yeah. like that, you yeah, know, yeah. over a creek to cool yeah. it off. You know, breaking down game is another thing that people, they're worried about. Like when I carried that yeah. that, that sheep the other day, I had a ton of guys uh, just saying a trophy hunting piece of shit wasted the game. And I'm like, the guts weren't at like 10 minutes. Like, yeah. It doesn't hurt anything. Right. My first thought was defensiveness. My second thought was, Jesus, how many people are wasting animals because they found it in an hour with the guts in it and they think right. it's bad. Well, when we break down game, if you just take all the game and put it all in a bag, 
the outside may get cooler, but the inside stays warm. So the main thing when you're breaking down an animal, deboning, get the animal, get the meat and lay it out as much as you can. Obviously, if bugs are bad, it's different, but lay it out and get it to drip and yep. get it to, to, to cool off. Right. If you can't and you put it in a dry sack and you hang it up or, or a, a game bag, mm-hmm. it's still the meat in the middle will a lot of times go bad. You have to wait a while. The outside cools off. Take the meat out, restack it, pull the meat out of the middle, get it to the outside mm-hmm. because it's, it's, a, it's conductive in there. It's just yeah. holding it in. Once it's cool, people think of like a sleeping bag as it keeps you warm. It doesn't keep you warm. You're warm and it keeps that inside. Yeah. If the meat is cold, the bag keeps it cold. So your sleeping bag is a cooler. So you right. can use your bag to keep the meat cool if you've got it cooled down. The other thing is I, 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 the creek. I keep a dry sack and putting your meat in a creek in a dry sack, it's like a refrigerator mm-hmm. just to make sure. So when we stay, I mean, we keep hunting five, six, seven days after we've taken an right. animal down because we're able to, you know, keep the meat cool and not have it go bad. Those are all things we just pick up along the way. And a lot of guys, they kill their animal. Like, I got to get out. And I'm like, well, your buddy's got a tag. Right. The meat's going to go bad. And I'm like, dude, you got snow over there. You got yeah. a creek here. You got yeah. an ecothermal corridor over here. Right. Debone it, lay it out. Yeah. It'll cool down and then it's going to be fine. Yeah. It was yeah. just in that thing. Yeah, exactly. So that's just stuff that you just learn over, you know, over time. So where, what, what have you not hunted that you're, that you want to hunt? That's like your spot and stock brown bear with a recurve. Oh yeah. Number one. So are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. I, uh, one was uh, doll sheep with with yeah. clay, uh, but it COVID has screwed all that up. Right. Um, and then the other ones uh, with the brown bear, it's really going to COVID and fitting in. I yeah. talked to Cole about going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got a few other buddies that are you know good. I really just um, the adrenaline portion of it yeah. uh, is big, and and just being twenty yards from an animal that size is pretty. That's going to be they're um, pretty epic. It's going to be an intense ride. We're going up in May. So yeah, that'll be uh, cool. Yeah. We're, we're going up in May. We're going to try, you know, hopefully (laughs) (laughs) keep my fingers crossed in that. Making sure that we're at least going to take something out of there. Maybe because it's Matt, myself and Logan. Mm -hmm. So it's three of us with Cole. So hopefully we, is Matt much into, is he into hunting much? Yeah, he is. He's uh Definitely over the last couple of years, he and I have really turned it on. It's a matter of schedule yeah. for us. And he tore his bicep like I almost six months ago. Because I tore mine. He doesn't know me well enough. Because I'm like, dude, I, I did this and I was going to give him some advice on recovery. Um, did he, he got through everything okay, but it, yeah, it, but it, you couldn't shoot a bow. So yeah. he was, he was planning on coming up here. We were supposed to do elk hunting in Utah. Um, and he couldn't come because yeah. he he had torn his bicep plus his dad. It was going to be my dad, his dad, he and I mm-hmm. were just doing this father-son hunt up here, but COVID and he tore his bicep. So he ended up coming up and we drove around and ultimately we ended up just talking shit to Logan and Jocko. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically uh, um, what we did. I think everybody was out there. Uh and we we had a blast, but this next year we're doing we're doing a couple pretty good hunts. I think we're gonna have he yep. he he went out killed an elk later in the year, uh, and then his I think his old man might have might have might have killed a whitetail with him. But he yeah. kills axis are invasive species in Texas, yeah. So 
he, I don't know how many he kills on a monthly, but a lot. That is really good meat too. <laughs> yeah. Every time I go there, he's he's got two freezers full of axes and he's got another he's got another one and because you can kill him at night too. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll drive around with, you know, looking the for them in, yeah. the, in the evening. The correct and we'll, equipment. Yeah. And so there's never a shortage of Axis meat in Texas. At their, at their <laughs> really probably the, the best meat on the planet too. Seriously. It's, it's so good. Did he look like Hellboy when he uh, finally got healed up? Because my left yeah. arm was really little and my right arm was big. I looked, it was almost depressing. Like I wore long sleeve shirts because my left arm was so little by the time it healed up. Yeah. He had posted something uh, about he would, he like, he did a side-by-side comparison. It's like, well, the problem is you're working out too much before. So if you just like <laughs> chill out with yeah. that and then you're going to just matchy matchy. Yeah. But uh, it was, a, he got through it fine. You can still see the scar right here yeah. on his, on his, uh, on his left um, uh, forearm. But this year we've got a ton of, like we, we have a ton of really cool hunts. I'm going out to Colorado, like Southern Colorado. I actually, I've had, some property in my family from in New Mexico for a hundred years. Yeah. And there's a small herd on that. So I'm going to go down there. Got a few really cool hunts this year. Um, fuck. I hate to, I hate to do it, man. We're, uh, we're, no, we're no. out of time. I, I hate to say it. I got to take a pee break. Anyway. I know. So, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <my pants. laughs> Aaron Schneider, where can everybody find you, man? Uh, so on Instagram, it's A R O N underscore S N Y D E R. Uh, Facebook, Aaron Snyder, and then KafaruCast, uh, the the podcast, KafaruCast YouTube page, uh, and then Kafaru International is the, is the company that uh, I'm one of the owners of. So yeah, feel free, hop on if you have questions. I, I do my best to get back to everyone. So I appreciate you guys having me on though. Yeah, yeah. the gear is rad. So yes, is. go check it out, man. Go check out Aaron. He's got some rad videos. He's got some amazing content. His podcasts are incredible. Uh, thanks a lot, man. Really yeah, appreciate no, thank it. Thank you guys. I appreciate it.